Welcome to the Frontline Podcast, brought to you in association with the Atler Group. Atler Group is a collaboration of businesses with a collective history of over 130 years, bringing financial solution to its clients in the world of accountancy, audit, advisory, fiduciary and retirement benefit solutions. Visit atler.im today. On the Frontline Podcast, we chat to leaders in business and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their in-depth and bite-sized opinions that will add value to you and your mind. Mary, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. So, never a settled time in the world. Uh, we kind of come through COVID as a, as, a, as a human race, almost, which affects markets, investments, etc. And then not long after, Mr. Putin gets, uh, gets busy. How have, how have you found that in the investment market over the coming out of one, I suppose, crisis, if that's the right term, into another? How, how have you handled that? How are you finding it? How are you finding clients dealing with that? Well, it's really interesting, Martin, because we've, you know, we already experienced quite a significant rotation from growth stocks. So, uh, you know, the, the sort of meme stocks were very popular in the COVID lockdown, uh, what we call pre-revenue companies that really don't have much to show for them, but were priced at quite high levels um, into the value section of the market, where um, which ultimately benefit from higher interest rates. And, um, you know, because of that, they're effectively their valuations are low. So they're regarded as sort of low duration stocks, if you like, or like, like, a, like a, a short duration bond, they perform better in rising uh, expectations for interest rates. So, so we'd already seen that happening before um, uh, Putin invaded the Ukraine. And then after that, really, markets haven't actually moved an awful lot since then, which is kind of surprising in a way, because obviously we've seen oil prices peaking at about $140 a barrel and crude prices um, coming back down to around 106 this morning, but still pretty high. Um, and obviously a lot higher than they were in March 2020 when they were in actually negative territory. Mm-hmm. So that's been feeding through to uh, inflation levels, which are obviously a lot higher now as a result of that. And I think it's pro- prolonged our already elevated expectations for inflation that existed before uh, Putin's invasion. Um, we also have had the, the lockdown in China because of their zero COVID policy, which is it's just starting now to emerge. I believe 12 million of around 22 million uh, residents of Shanghai have been released from, from lockdown. So we're starting to see that ease and hopefully that will also ease the supply and demand pinch points that we've been seeing, of which we were still emerging from um, uh, from COVID uh, last year. So there's been an awful lot to contend with. And I think markets, equity markets certainly been quite sanguine in the in the backdrop of that and you wonder why in a way but partly the reason i think is because if you look at what bond markets have been doing um you know global bond markets have fallen by about six percent in the first quarter mm-hmm. and equity markets are down about five so there's been no real safe obvious safe haven areas to go nobody wants to be in cash if inflation is raging away at seven percent because they're still going to be guaranteed negative uh, real rates so it's it's not been an easy situation um from, from the headline perspective, but as I say, equity markets have been sanguine because I think people see that there are real returns to be gained still in equities. It, it does depend on how long inflation goes on for and how much margin squeeze that we see on on equity um, equity balance sheets, you know, on, on company balance sheets. So um, there's still a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, so that, that inflation, yeah, so you had a crystal ball, uh, but where where do you see that moving in the in the coming months and I guess probably years? Even you think of just household costs and sure. cost of living for people, let alone yeah. we're talking yeah. about the investment and, and market. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, we, we, it's, it's still extremely uncertain, but I think we are beginning to see some, some tentative signs. I say tentative because it has been happening before uh, the Ukraine situation and, and before China's big lockdown more recently. But we are seeing some tentative signs of inflation, pressures rolling over. We've seen freight cross, costs dropping quite considerably. Um, as I mentioned before, China's starting to come out of its lockdown now. I don't think it can stay in zero COVID forever. Um, We've also seen uh, significant um, um, deceleration, if you like, in core inflation. It's still high in the US, but it, core inflation has decelerated once again this month, uh, this, this most re recent reading. And one of the key factors that was driving that headline inflation was also used car prices, oddly enough, which were mm. up by sort of 24% year on year last year. Um, and they've started to, to come off quite, quite What's rapidly. What's driving that particular... That was really due to the fact that new cars weren't being produced, oh, either okay. through supply constraints because of COVID and also because of chip supply constraints okay. because of COVID as well. So these are all these are all post-pandemic um, tail risks, if you like, that have come through the market. So it's important to recognise that there's still a lot of uh, exceptionals in these numbers, which hopefully from a household perspective means that eventually these will start to ease. The one area we do see potentially being sticky in terms of inflation is, is with wages. Now, that should be good for households generally, but it depends on how sticky it is because we, you know, we are sort of seeing a, a very small uptick in unionisation across the board. Uh, Amazon was a big case recently when they, uh, one of their um, outlets um, f uh, decided to join a union. But again, that's not typical of the company across the board. So it's just nascent signs of that but that's a potentially slightly more sticky area of inflation which obviously the central banks will be keeping an eye on um, because the labour market remains tight um, mm. people have not returned to the workforce especially the 50 plus um, demographic um, after Covid so that's that's going to be a, mm. a problem I think um, which will last a little bit longer so to answer your question in terms of longer term inflation I think we are looking at you know staying above the Bank of England's prior target of 2% so I think 3% by the end of the year, hopefully, mm. um, could be a little bit higher than that at these levels. A lot of economists are currently really behind the curve. Right, okay. So, so that's interesting when you talk about, we talk about and factored in a couple of times there, I suppose you look at supply chain being an issue, a, a tail issue from COVID. When you're looking and you talked about data on investments then, there must be, when you're analysing the data, there's obviously these anomalies that you have to try and spot as well, that perhaps the data you're reading isn't, it just spikes in, in issues, and that must be a difficult challenge within the investment markets to, to spot those. It, it is. It is. I think ultimately we have to just keep very close eye on our stocks that we invest in because market headlines don't always belie what, what's happening with the companies underlying. So, for example, we've had a number of first quarter results out from companies recently, which have actually been pretty good. Some of them actually benefiting from inflation, I believe. But, well, Bunzel was is highlighted. Uh, they had their first quarter results yesterday, the distribution and services company. But they have a cost plus model and they're able to pass on a lot of the inflation cost to their end users and their end markets. I think they were tipped as a buy in the Times this morning as well. Um, so some companies actually benefit from inflation. Others, and obviously there's, there's real assets as well, which have done very well. So the likes of the copper miners and, and, and the gold miner, gold finally performing after a <laughs> period of latency, which is typical gold price performance, to be honest with you. And obviously oil and, and gas as well. So, mm. But we, we are looking really at, at margins and seeing how companies are coping on their margins 
margins um, with the squeeze on, on cost of input prices and, and wages. And we have to start from a position of strength. So we have a lot of high margin companies in our portfolios. Yeah. So even if they do face a margin squeeze over the longer term, um, we think they can cope. And I presume there'll also be a, the, with the Ukraine issue, and I've, I've seen commentary around wheat, uh, oil, and where there's a, there's a transition period really where if they've been our main supplier area and that's, that's cut off, that, that will come back on tap, but it just needs time, whether it's for the weather for a season of wheat or I guess for oil, other yeah. bit oil being sourced from other regions. So I assume there's, a, there's almost like a transition in that. Yes. Certain supplies that come from that troubled yes. area at the moment. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, we, we can't uh, be, be blind to the fact that, that, you know, Russia is a massive wheat producer. Ukraine, the sunflower oil, I think like 80% of the world's mm. supplies come from the Ukraine. So there are going to be those pinch points. I think from a food and, again, household income perspective, unfortunately, it's the, the, the poorer household incomes that will fare the worst because they spend more of their disposable income on, on food. Um, and also the emerging markets, which is another area we've already seen Sri Lanka going into, into effective default. Um, and, you know, our friends in South Africa are, are, are squeaking a little bit at the cost of food now. And they have a lot of obviously a lot of poverty there and they're worried about social unrest. So these are these are more of a worry, I think, in in those parts of the market and those parts of the, the social structure. And, and certainly if food price inflation goes on for a longer period than perhaps we expect, um, either through sanctions or through just lack of, of supply ability and also to, to replant those crops as well mm-hmm. um, because of war and disruption. Um, you know, we, we think that could be problematic from a political perspective long term because you see, you know, more people being disgruntled with their, their, uh, their standard of living and mm-hmm. therefore swinging to the left and so forth. So the, the, or to the right even, I don't know. No. But, um, you know, we will see more, more volatility in politics. It's coming through in France at the moment with Le Pen and, and Macron and, and their forthcoming election. So right. she's doing a lot better than... The world's not coming to an end though, is it? Oh, God, <laughs> no, no, no. It does no, feel no. a bit that way no, at times. No, 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 no not, not at all. Again, it's, it's, you know, when you look at the company returns, they're actually doing quite well. But it is going to be tough. It's going to be tough this year for a lot of households and for people in general. We saw Netflix last night has lost, well, hasn't lost subscribers, but it only gained another 200,000. It was expecting, you know, a lot more than that. Last night, their shares fell 40%. It was crazy right. uh, after already having fallen 40%. Thankfully, we don't, we don't own <laughs> Netflix, um, at least not directly anyway, and, and have very little indirect exposure to it as well. Well, but um, and I presume that's just households looking at their Garrett yeah. Goins and yeah, and saying cost. I'll have Disney Plus, but I'm not having Netflix yeah, and, and right. Disney Plus, or vice versa, because Disney Plus is probably going to suffer as well. And you know, these are discretionary items that people don't necessarily need, but they do need to put petrol in their car and food in their stomachs. Yeah, right, of course. That I mean, not to get into the weeds with Netflix, but that seems quite a big drop, forty percent. Is that a market? Re- just a market reaction, and everyone's kind of generally on let's say on tender hooks because of the general global situation that i wouldn't say people are panicking i'd but but there is more uh, i think i think reactive nature to these news yeah i think i think netflix is two twofold i think one is the price you know it was already significantly overvalued in okay. terms of its valuation now whatever you might think of bill ackman who dumped his big stake last night you know 
it's it's operating in a very competitive environment. It's very cash flow hungry because they have to buy content all the time. It has to be better than what's being developed by okay. by Disney Plus. Uh, and the second issue with, with Netflix is the fact that they came out with a very mixed message yesterday, which is a total change to their original ethos of you know very, being very happy with subscribers sharing their content. But now they're saying no, if you're sharing sharing sorry sharing your login with another household, we're going to make you pay for yeah, it. Right. And by the way, we're also going to introduce ad streaming, which nobody really wants. Or you can get it at a lower price, but is that going to cannibalize their existing mm. um, subscriber base? Yeah, so right. there's a lot of uncertainties in that strategy, and it seems like they're shuffling the deck chairs a bit, which is yeah. why the market reacted so badly. Yeah, okay. And does that go back to the comment you made at the start there about values in companies, uh, I think you call them pre, pre-revenue values, so that, that would be an example Netflix, where there's a lot, yeah. potentially a lot of pre pre-revenue value built into the share yes, price. I would yeah. say so. I mean, the, it is a revenue-generating company, and more recently it's a cash flow-positive company, but it has spent many years in cash flow-negative territory because it has had to spend a lot of money uh, beefing up its content mm-hmm. to compete in a very competitive market. Yeah, so okay. uh, it, it's not what I call a, uh, well, what Warren Buffett would call a wide-moat company. It doesn't have that uh, that pricing power and that oligopoly uh, type feel to it. It's 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 in the, the, the sort of turbulent sea of consumer desire, right. and it's not an area that we tend to invest in in a big way. We we tend to stay away from consumer discretionary, and we're much more consumer staple oriented. So we'll okay. buy the you know the bread makers rather than the yeah. the Netflix subscribers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so just one final quick question. Uh, the future uh, again, go that crystal ball. We touched on uh, inflation, interest rates. As an investment manager. What are you talking to clients about at the moment? How are you sort of pitching the pitching the future and keeping yeah. clients, I suppose, comfortable? Well, it's, it's really interesting, Martin, because I was actually answering a client email this morning, and we've had two different sort of camps of thought. I think some clients have been, uh, generally speaking, clients have been very sanguine because, as I said before, equity markets haven't moved too much in 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 the negative direction. There's been a little bit of negative pressure this year, but. Um, Ha, uh, th- those that have sort of spoken up have said either that they've they, they've wanted to take risk off the table, which we kind of discourage to some extent because we think, well, where do you go for low risk return after inflation right now? Um, but then we've had other clients who I have to say are generally of the older demographic who knew the 1970s or they come from an area of higher inflation um, and they're saying, I want more real assets. I want more real assets, I want more copper and I want more gold and oil and and banks and things that will do well in, in, in higher levels of inflation. So it's a very split view at the moment. But in terms of where it's going, again, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? You know, as I said, I think inflation is there are some indications that it's starting to roll over, but obviously that also depends on how sticky wage price inflation is going to be. I think I've sort of indicated, I think we expect the Bank of Eng- uh, the Bank of England's target to be exceeded for some time yet. It's not. It's going to be above two percent, but hopefully not much more than four. The the five year break even rates of inf- of inflation. So effectively, the 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 yield on inflation linked bonds minus the nominal on on ordinary uh, uh, gilts is about four percent over five years, and that mm. seems high to me. But then maybe it is. Maybe we are going to see three to four percent inflation levels over the next few years. Um, and on the, on the interest rate side, I mean, Bank of England and the Fed have been behind the curve until recently. I think markets are finally 
accepting the fact that they're catching up now and you know the Bank of England is forecast to, to the base rate is forecasted to reach about 2% by the end of this year mm. maybe up to 25 I think probably a little bit beyond that as far as we're concerned um, and the Fed certainly the next the next interest rate rise will probably be 50 basis points and maybe mm. even the one after that mm. um, but still we're not talking you know 1970s interest rates here and I'm not sure we can go there because of you know debt levels are so high generally speaking I think corporates can probably cope with it but sovereigns after the coronavirus pandemic and all the spending and 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 also personal households that have become used to having low levels of of debt financing for decades you know I'm not sure we can go back to four or five percent interest rates but okay we'll see (laughs) <laughs> interesting times ahead it is yeah definitely. Uh, lots of challenges thanks for joining us uh, no, today Mary I appreciate your time no, thanks Martin. thanks for listening everyone